This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Benner, and today I'm sharing episode 66 with Megan Myers. Megan is a fine artist and illustrator based in Bend, Oregon, where she has her own art business, Megan Marie Myers, LLC. And her work is inspired by the outdoors and the connections that we have to both the outdoors and those around us. I personally have been following Megan's art on Instagram for the past year now and have just fallen in love with the fun, cartoony characters that she paints and puts together in her artwork as they're enjoying the outdoors around us. And before starting her own art business, Megan attended Seattle University and majored in visual arts. And after graduation, she worked in art administration for a decade, including working for the world-renowned glass artist Dale Chihuly. Following that, she worked at Trader Joe's in Portland, Oregon as a sign maker. And in this episode, she talks all about that job and how it was just really fun and helped launch her into her current art business. In this episode, Megan also talked about taking that leap to starting her own art business, her careers post-college, what she hopes that people see when they look at her art, the joys that art brings her, her love for trail running and the outdoors, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Megan Myers. All right, today on the podcast, I am so excited to be joined by Megan Myers. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I have been following you on Instagram and admiring your art for probably what I think of a year now. We were talking about before the recording that I found your work through Lauren Fleshman, uh, a runner that I follow, and she shared about your artwork and I just had to give you a follow because I loved what you put out there. That's great. Yeah, Lauren lives here in town. I live in Bend, Oregon. Um, And so, yeah, we met one day while I was hanging an art show, which was really exciting for me because I'm a runner too. And um, uh, yeah, it was really kind of her to to share my artwork um, because she's she's done such incredible things and has has a great following. And so I was very generous of her. I'm glad that I'm glad that you found me. So thanks for following me too and having me on the podcast. Yeah, being a runner in Bend is a good spot because that's like becoming almost a little mecca of running with Lauren's group of running runners, her team, and then also you're so close to Portland where there's a lot of the Nike groups and everything that they go up for altitude. And obviously just in general, you have a lot of recreational athletes and people that are just really active in Bend. So it's a good spot for you if you like to be outdoors and run. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, this town is is mind blowing in terms of the athleticism here. It's it's nuts. Um, I I do love running, uh, but I, I, it's very recreational for me. I mean, I'll 
I'll participate in races and stuff, um, but it's never like I would ever win one or place really. It's just just a hobby for me. It's something to keep me balanced. But um, my partner actually, Matt, is a really accomplished runner and he's got like a stellar group of running friends. Um, and, and, you know, they, they ski a lot too in the off season. And uh, this is like a mecca for, for athletes because we have just, we have wonderful weather. So it's great training seasons. And um, it just beautiful outdoors. So, so most of my running is, is done on trails and among, you know, lakes and mountains and trees. And um, it's, it's great because it's also where I get a lot of inspiration for my artwork. So running's like a really big part of how I like source my images. Um, And the long distance running, it gives me a lot of time to to come up with ideas that um, I can put down on paper later. Oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine. I am also a dreamer on my runs and that's where I come up with all my different ideas. So, and I'm not even in like the really creative space with art or anything of that nature. So it must be just a really good opportunity to see images and everything like that. So we'll talk more about running and how that brings you inspiration later, but I do want to just get an introduction to who you are. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about your career on the way and how you ended up in Bend as well? Yeah, totally. I'm happy to. Um, let's see. Um, so I'm actually, I'm a native Oregonian. Um, I was born and raised in Medford, Oregon, um, in the Rogue Valley. And, um, I was always really into art. I was an only child. So, um, a lot of my time growing up was spent either looking at art in the form of cartoons, um, or looking at picture books, um, or actually making stuff. And, you know, I, I would get sort of in that flow state at like a really young age and I would just like start drawing and come up for air like hours and hours later. Um, so it's just something I've always really loved and I always worked really hard at. I don't know that I thought of it as work ever when I was younger. It was the thing I liked to do the most. Um, and, you know, it, in terms of, I, I really do think cartoons and animation were like a big part of, of what inspired me, um, growing up, you know, it never occurred to me that I could become an animator, uh, for some reason. I just didn't have that kind of guidance, but I just remember just really staring at at images, um, that, that meant a lot to me when I was, when I was younger in cartoons and books. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I, I think another maybe meaningful experience when I was younger is the public school I went to. I don't, I don't know how public schools have sort of changed, um, in their curriculums. I, I know I've heard a lot about, um, art, arts funding being sort of cut in those types of things, which is so devastating to learn about because when I was growing up, you know, art was really integrated into the curriculums. Um, that's to say it, it wasn't like, we just had art class and then that was it. We, we did have art class, but, but my public school growing up really, um, worked art into like all of the subjects we were learning. And, um, it was a really great way 
to learn how to think. Like um, maybe like an example would be like math class. I, I always hated math. And there would always be some sort of component where we had to do drawings or color um, or have some sort of creative expression as when while we were learning math. And so it made it like a little easier for me to want to participate in um, or get excited about learning because I knew that there was this sort of thing that made me feel safe and that I enjoyed um, as part of as part of this thing that kind of scared me. And we were really asked to like make art projects to um, to sort of display our understanding of different experiences or different things we were learning. And so I just really felt like um, from a young age to understand something was like married to the idea of being able to um, have some creative output with from understanding it. Uh, just like like displaying your understanding of something by being able to talk about it. I felt like my school wanted you to be able to be able to to draw it or to um, assess it creatively too. So I, I don't know. I just you know I, I have some other bio stuff about my career, but I, I really think a lot of the heavy lifting was was really done when I was when I was young, um, really young. Um, so anyway, I uh, I went to high school in Southern Oregon, and I did a lot of drawings um, and paintings at that time. Like I was like the comic uh, strip artist for our school newspaper, and I did a couple murals and things like that. Um, and then I went to Seattle for college, and I studied at Seattle University, um, and I was a fine art major. And after school, I started a career in arts administration. I, I guess part of me never believed that I could like have a career as an artist. Um, I was always sort of a project manager type or like a type A personality. <laughs> uh, I was good with details, like detail oriented kind of things. And so arts administration seemed like a really good fit for a long time because I was able to sort of have my, like, I could use my skills as a type A person to keep things organized, but I was also like really surrounded by creatives. Um, and I felt for a long time like that would be just a nice, a nice fit for me and also kind of check the box of like, this is a viable career with a paycheck and <laughs> like nine to five kind of, you know, uh, job. And so um, for a couple years right out of school, I was working for a few municipalities um, with their public art programs in Washington State. And then after, after that, I worked at a large glass art studio in Seattle. I was a project manager for Dale Chihuly, who is a, is a world-renowned glass artist. And so I did that for about five years before um, I met my boyfriend, Matt, and I moved to Portland because that's where he lived. And that's when I, uh, I was a little burnt out from, from the beginning of my career. So I tried, I wanted to find, I want to make a huge shift and find, um, a job that I, that, that made me happy and gave me some freedom, um, to pursue my art a little more. And so I started working at Trader Joe's actually. Um, and it was like the best decision I ever made. It was like just the best job. It was so much fun. Um, and I was really lucky because I 
interviewed and let them know that I was really interested in being a sign maker, um, as that was a role that all Trader Joe's Joe's have. And so um, right after I started, uh, a position in the sign team opened up. So I was able to work as a sign artist for several, um, several years there. And so I would like literally just sit in the back of the grocery store and have to design and paint like chalkboards, but also like big, really big, like cool signs. Um, and I got so much practice from that. And then I also kind of was afforded the ability to be able to um, work on my own art when I wasn't at work. Uh, and so that's kind of how I really started launching my business. Um, and so, oh yeah, and then so I moved to Bend. <laughs> and that was because I was uh, running a lot and my boyfriend was running a lot and we, we found ourselves in Bend like almost every weekend it was getting to that point because uh, we'd come out here to to uh, run the trails and be in nature and we finally were decided that uh, that was like a real value and that we would move out here and figure it out from there so that's that's the that was kind of a long explanation but that's who I am and that's how I've got to bend <laughs> I love it. Yeah. First off, I want to say I think that's so cool that your school really pushed you in art growing up in elementary school and high school and throughout those years because my mom has always been really artistic and since she's retired has really taken up doing more art and paint, watercolor painting and things like that. But so I was always pushed creatively at home, but I felt like my elementary school just didn't and, and throughout high school too, like we didn't really, I, th I guess elementary school, we had a lot of really cool art opportunities. We did like an artist in residence program where local artists would come in and, and teach us art. But throughout junior high and high school, I feel like we were kind of like swayed away from it almost. And it was like super strict and rigid with grading. So I felt like I just got kind of nervous and scared of art a little bit. And I guess since then I've picked it up a little bit, but I wish I would have had that opportunity in those ages to push me in art because it's such a fun creative outlet that that you got to be involved in and that's I think that's super cool yeah I I mean I agree I I, I really just don't know if there was anything more important than that uh for me and you know I hope kids are getting some art classes and things today I don't I don't know how it's changed I don't have kids I, and, you know, when I was a kid, you know, when I was like in elementary school and this was our education, testing wasn't as big of a deal either. I must be older than you because I know that grading, like grading and test scores and all this got really big sort of after I was out of school. Um, and, and that has an important place too, but, you know, I worry a little bit sometimes. I hope that. I hope that kids are getting the opportunity to have people allow them the the time to have like just free play and like free drawing and, and creative time. I just I see so many kids with these like robust schedules <laughs> and I was really left to my own devices a lot and I just feel like my imagination 
was really able to come to the forefront when I was a kid. And that might've been, you know, too, I was, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it, I was, I was an only child. And so, um, you know, keeping myself sort of entertained was, was also an important part. But yeah, I hope kids are just getting the, the chance to be able to have a quiet time to make things and to um, learn about how, you know, get have enough time to get in that kind of flow state. I, I think it's really important. And I think that it's going away a little bit with technology and our screens and our phones and our iPads. And it's kind of hard to hold concentration for long periods of time. So when you went to Seattle University, what were your goals with, like, what did you envision yourself, I guess, while you were growing up as well as when you were in college? What did you dream of becoming or doing for a career? I think that if you had asked me that when I was a kid, I would have said artist, you know. But um, as I got older, uh, that didn't, you know, there was sort of this, uh, it felt like kind of a defense definition of success that I grew up with, um, learned, learned there was like a certain definition of success, which, you know, I guess at that time probably would have been like making a certain amount of money, um, or getting a really good, good job that you could work at for a long time, um, and have health benefits. And so, so it became clear to me that although I was really supported by friends and family and parents with my artwork, no one really ever expected that that would be a career for me. Um, and I in turn didn't believe it could be either. Um, it just didn't seem viable as, um, an option that where I would like make enough money or like even there, you know, it's not like maybe like being a bank teller, you learn how to be a bank teller and then you can have that job. Like being an artist just seemed a little too dreamy. But I think, um, so as Seattle U, I can't, I can't say I knew what I was going to do. You know, I was under, I, I knew that I had to go to college. <laughs> that was just like drilled into me. Um, and I was the first one in my family to ever go to college. So I was a first generation college student. And, and I loved Seattle U because I didn't have to pick immediately. I, I had, I was undeclared for two years before um, you, I, I actually had to pick something. And it was a liberal arts college. So those first two years were just filled with like all sorts of really wonderful classes um, that we had to take as part of our core curriculum. So, um, you know, I had to take like, I think it was like three religion classes and all different kinds and three different philosophy classes and different history classes. And, you know, all of my sort of um, like fun ones were, were art, always art classes. So by the time I had to declare, I, I, chose art just because I true like Emma, I truly could not think of anything else I wanted to do. I just, it was the only thing that I was like super sure about. And I think I also knew that there, I've always had this nagging feeling of like, you have one life to live. And at the time I like, I've always been like super aware of where I am. So at the time I was like, I'm really young. And if I don't try it now. Like I still have time. Like I can try it now. And if it doesn't work out, then I can do something else, you know? So I just, I've just always really believed in like, if I don't try, I definitely won't like get to where I want to be. But, but 
if I try my hardest, like maybe I will. And so it didn't seem to make sense that if I wanted to be an artist, I would learn how to do something like I wouldn't go into finance because I would be headed down a totally different path. So, so I chose art and then, you know, I, I did, I did really for a while think arts administration was the way to go. And, and, you know, I'm glad I did it at that time because when I finally decided to launch my creative career, I had gained through that experience so many tools that helped me sort of run a business, which isn't something I learned in school. So I'm really glad that I kind of had that on-the-job practice earlier in my career before I started doing artwork full-time, just so I could I could manage the business parts a little better. I still had to learn a lot, a lot, a lot about running a business. Um, but, but I had a little bit of a toolkit when I got started, which was great. I love that you followed your dream and, and now especially you're doing full-time art when people said it wasn't possible and, and you're still doing it and living out that dream. So I have to ask this because I read this in an article that you were in and I thought it was like the craziest thing. So you said when you were working with Dale, I read that you, with a commission piece, you would put it together for the client visit, take it apart piece by piece, and then you'd fly across the world with it to to reinstall it and assemble it. I have to hear about this. It seems like the craziest process. Yeah, it was a really, I mean, I learned so much at that job. It was really quite incredible. Um, uh, and I would not personally do all those things, but I was, I was sort of, I was a project, like a project manager. So we had, it was a huge operation. Um, and there were teams of people that aided on different parts of the project, but that's right. Um, if, if, a it could be a gallery show or it could be a commission. Um, but if anyone's familiar with, with Chihuly artwork, um, a lot of the installations are created out of like hundreds of pieces of glass. Um, and we would have, we'd create, you know, Dale would design the piece, the glass would be blown. We would um, have to build the full piece, full scale with hundreds of pieces of glass. We had a mock-up team that would work with Dale on doing that. Um, the client would fly to Seattle from wherever in the world they live to see the piece, approve it, and then we would deinstall it, take, take it down piece by piece, pack it all, ship it to wherever it was headed in the world, and then send a team out to install it wherever it was going to be living for the rest of its life. (laughs) Um, and it was it, it definitely expanded my idea of what was possible. It made me realize anything's possible, <laughs> actually. Um, it, it seemed so outlandish and amazing. And, you know, uh, it, it, it made me realize that, that if you have a dream and an idea, you can stretch the boundaries of what people think <laughs> um, is, is, is possible. It, it was a cool, it was a cool experience. Um, but a lot of my job at that time was, uh, just to be making sure all of those parts were working on a certain schedule, you know? And, um, 
I traveled sometimes um, and would go out for, for some of the installations. Um, I would be in charge of putting together the travel for all the teams. And I was also someone who would be like, with a lot of that artwork, um, it was really heavy and it was being installed. So it was being like installed into new construction projects or like existing projects. So I would be the one that would need to, I would be sort of communicating with the client or their team about the engineering needs um, and the lighting needs for the artwork uh, so that their site could be prepared prior to our team's arrival and all the boxes arriving on site to be um, unpacked and put together. So how did you get that position since he's such like a well-known glass artist? Like how did you, what led you to getting that role? I ask myself that question quite a bit. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm still not sure exactly how I got that role because I was, I was pretty young. I think when I, I think when I um, was offered the job, I was 24. I was like right on my 25th birthday. Um, and what was interesting about it is it was 2008. So it was actually like right when the recession was going on. Um, but it was sort of right. It was right before it was right before it got really bad. Uh, the recession got really, really bad. And, you know, this is a, it's a funny story. I was, I was working at one of those municipalities as a, um, as an arts administrator, as an arts administrator. And I wanted, I lived in Seattle and I was commuting and I wanted to work in the city. And I found the position listing on Craigslist and it didn't say who it was for. It just said, like, I think it says something like world renowned art studio looking for a project coordinator or something like that. And it was so vague. Um, I, I applied and then I got called in for interviews and it was so funny because I guess I probably should have realized who it was before, but it, it, it was very, um, I don't know, it seemed very secretive. But when I walked in for the interview, I, you know, it was, it was funny because the studio I was working at, it, it doesn't look like anything really from outside. It was a big warehouse kind of looking building. But when you walk in, it was like Willy Wonka. It was like all of a sudden I just like walk in the door and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm applying for Julie Studio. <laughs> so it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Um, and I don't know how I got it over other applicants. Yeah, what a dream to be able to work in with someone of such a high caliber and be able to do that. Um, I want to hear more about the sign making at Trader Joe's. Is this something you were doing just for the Portland location or were you doing that for like nationwide and helping develop different like marketing things as well or like designing things for nationwide marketing as well? Um, no, I'm glad you asked this question because it was, I think it was that transition from, from Chihuly Studio to Trader Joe's was a sort of transformative time because I work, I worked at the studio for about five years and I was really, um, it was a big job and it was very consuming and I felt very, I think because I was kind of young when I started there, I um, really, my identity was really tied up in, in that work. Um, 
And uh, this was also a time where people were getting more, um, like I remember the iPhone kind of coming out of this time. Or, no, the iPhone had been out, but we all got one um, sort of in the middle of my time at Chibuli. And that's all of a sudden where we were, it was the first time in my life where like, we were expected to sort of just be available all the time to be um, be contacted by, by your work. So, so I just, I just got a lot of burnout from, from it. It was a great experience in a lot of ways. Um, but by the end of my time there, I was so burnt out and I wasn't feeling like I was having any creative outlet or much freedom. And, um, I met my partner, Matt, we met actually running we were doing um, the Hood to Coast Relay, and we were both on the same team. That's how we met. You probably know that from being in Portland. Um, and so at the time, I was living in Seattle, and he was living there. And, and we uh, did long distance for, for a little under a year and then um, made the decision that it would, it would I was ready to leave that job, and I was going to move to Portland. So it was sort of this moment of like, well, what – like what's next? And, and I was so tired of that kind of work. I was like, I think I need like a break. And I think I need to do something that's not like, this is my chance to, to re be someone else. Like I wasn't going to be around anyone I knew anymore. I was moving. Um, there, I, I think I always held myself to these like high expectations that probably weren't from other people. They were probably just expectations I had of myself. And I was ready to just kind of decide what I wanted to do differently. So I literally was just like, what's the place that when I go into, I get happy and I love it. And I was always like a huge fan of Trader Joe's. I just loved it there. I just thought everyone was so nice. It looked like everyone had a lot of fun. And I was like, if I had a job like that, I would clock in and clock out, leave work at work. I would be able to make friends and I would have time to do my own creative work. So after I got the job there and started making signs, well, and so that's to your question. Um, I think what a lot of people don't know is that every single Trader Joe's has a team of people Sometimes it's one, like small stores have like one person. Um, some stores had, I think we had like four people um, that make all of the artwork for the store. Um, and we like sit in the back of the grocery store and make stuff all day. Um, I would be like doing that like seven hours a day. Um, so no, um, I didn't work on any anything that was like uh, the marketing for like the Nationwide Trader Joe's or anything. I was just one of the people sitting in the back of the store making work, but it was very, there was a lot of freedom to it. I mean, um, there wasn't someone telling me what to do exactly. I design everything myself, which was like a new, um, a, a new skill set for me and maybe a new like control I've never had. Um, which was like really, it, I grew a lot from that, I think. But the thing I grew most from was really the whole transition from working at this job at Chihuly Studio where I really valued myself um, based on that job. I thought of myself as a professional in a certain way. And when I applied to work at a grocery store, I felt 
like maybe people would be disappointed in me or not know or I don't know or think that I failed in some way um and I know that that's not true and I know that there I had these like really great reasons personal reasons for for making that change but there was I did have a lot of like shame for a while about telling people like why like that I made such a huge career shift and so you know it was a it was an interesting time of my life where I was sort of grappling with like who am I and what do I want to do and have I let people down um and will I which is so silly because because I learned so much at Trader Joe's it was the best job hands down that I've ever had I felt valued and respected there everyone I worked with were, were truly like the most intelligent creative bunch of people I mean it was all the people that were artists and in bands and writing books and going to graduate school I mean it was like such a wonderful experience um on top of just like really getting to hone some skills like art making skills so it's it's silly I ever had feelings like that I think it was more of like I was I, I didn't know how I would explain it to friends and family um such a big departure but it's the best choice I could have ever made not just for like giving myself a little more breathing room but also kind of learning who I was again and I got to make some really great artwork uh, that I was really proud of. And I really took ownership of there. And a lot of what I learned there, I was able to sort of like technical skill or materials. And I was able to bring into my own artwork at home. So it was a, it was a really transformative, wonderful experience. Yeah. Isn't that interesting what we tell ourselves we should do just based on what other people might think of the situation and then that kind of like guides our life it's just always interesting when it sounds like from what I've read this job at Trader Joe's was really something that helped springboard and launch you into starting your own art business so I mean not only did it sound does it sound like it was a really cool opportunity for a job itself and a growth experience and a lot of fun but it also seems like it led you specifically led you to where you are today owning your own art business in Bend yes I mean there's no doubt I I don't I I can't say I even know if I would have ever launched my business if I hadn't have had that experience at Trader Joe's it's hard to say it was it was a really important part of what I'm doing now um, so I will be eternally grateful to that job. And I think I was just talking about it the other day to someone because I would I would work there again. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. It is a great company. Um, if anyone listening to this podcast is looking for a, a really wonderful place to work, I, I can't say enough great things about it. That's so good to hear. It's a place I love to shop. And now that you talk about the sign making, I'd really I think back like okay, I understand. Like they have really cool signs outside their store and throughout the store. I just, I guess I never knew that it was a full-time position or even a, you said four people on your team. So that's so, I love that. It sounds like such a fun job if, 
if I was good at art, that's something I would love to do. <laughs> um, so I want to hear about starting your own art business. It seems like a big leap of faith, especially when you talked about so many people had said this just isn't something that you can do. And I read on that article I'm talking about that I read or that I talked about earlier that I read, it talked about that you you said in there that a lot of people, like it was something you kind of considered doing out of college, but it was just something people had said over and over, you can't make it as an artist. And I feel like we've all heard of the starving artist and how hard it is to make it. But to me, it seems like you've been really successful. I mean, you I read that you've hired an employee and that just shows how successful your business has been so far and you've gotten to work with a ton of cool companies hydro flask is one of the ones that i saw um so it seems like you've done a really good job making a name for yourself in bend and building your business so i want to hear about starting that and kind of where it's at now maybe even some goals that you have with it in the coming years five ten years even just this year as well yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a real trip. I mean, uh, I could have never expected as much support as I feel like I've gotten here in Bend. Um, I, I, I guess I technically started the business while I was still in Portland. Um, and it was, it was just kind of getting off the ground. And at that time, it's, it's like changed a lot since I started. I didn't even I mean, I knew I was starting a business. I didn't have a, a grand plan at the time. It was more of like I was painting some original paintings that I was trying to sell. And then I finally kind of learning about making reproductions. Um, so for people who haven't seen my work, um, my work is giant paintings. I paint acrylic on canvas paintings and I sell the originals. Um, and then I realized pretty quickly that there's sort of a limit on how many paintings you can sell because they take a long time to make and you have to sell them for like a certain amount of money. And I want to make art approachable to everyone. Like I want everyone to be able to, to buy art that they love. So it became important to me to learn sort of the process for like making products that were maybe a lower price point that people could buy. So um, I began... So part of my business is selling original artwork and the other part is selling reproductions that include like greeting cards, postcard books. Um, I make camping logs. I make fine art prints that are like museum quality, beautiful kind of keep keepsake fine art prints. Um, and yeah, I've had some other cool projects. Like I've, I worked with a small business in Eugene. They created a board game, all the illustrations for it's puppy. Um, and, and so, you know, we made a board game and I've gotten a little bit into licensing, which I'd like to get more of, but like, um, I've worked with, there's a company here in Bend called Blackstrap and they make, um, like ski masks, like buffs and, um, they've licensed some work to go on the buffs. So, so there's kind of an, um, oh, there's another, there's another company here, free range equipment and they've licensed, um, images for their backpacks. So, so yeah, there's just like endless opportunities with licensing. I want to like learn a little more about that. But yeah, so I started the business in, in Portland and it was just an Etsy shop. 
Um, and I was selling originals and I was actually doing a lot of private commission, like little private commissions. Um, but once I started selling the reproductions at a higher level, I started doing like arts and crafts fairs and I'd have booths. And that's kind of like all I could do while I was working at Trader Joe's and living in Portland. So when we moved to Bend, I was thinking about um, transferring to Trader Joe's. But it was sort of the moment of like, well, do I want to just give this business a real shot? And it was the same thing I was talking about earlier. It was like, well, I'm still young enough. <laughs> kind of having a more, um, you know, flexible mindset, like being like, well, let's just try it. If it doesn't work, then we can problem solve from there. When we moved here, we bought a little house and it's got a little shed that we renovated into an art studio. Um, and that's where I'm sitting right now. And um, I have all of my products in here and kind of a shipping station. And I, I mean, starting in Bend, I just, I truly just started, I went into downtown Bend and walked around going into businesses and asking, hi, you know, I'm a, I'm an artist. Uh, I wanted to know if you show artwork here, like rotating art shows. If you do, can I get on your schedule? I'm, I was wondering if you sold cards or prints here, if you would want a wholesale. And it was kind of just like knocking on doors for a long time. But once I got on those schedules, um, I would be showing artwork somewhere different, like almost every month of the year. And after a while, you know, people would be like, oh, well, I was in this business and saw your work. And then I was in this business and saw your work. And so they, people started to recognize it. And um, it was a couple, two, three years of just like very intense work. It was just like, I, I was managing everything by myself. And, um, and, and, and it was getting to a point where it, it wasn't quite as fun because I wasn't able to spend as much time making work. I was doing a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of other parts to it. I have to do like negotiate contracts and I have to answer emails and I had to like pack and ship all the things that were being ordered in my online store. And, um, there was just like a lot of, of things that, um, I felt like I was getting busy enough that I did need some help because I, um, it was limiting my growth potential to, to have to take everything on myself. And I had a few people say to me, like, you should hire somebody. <laughs> and I was really scared. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, that's a scary, vulnerable place when you've been doing everything by yourself for so long. And, and, uh, it's, easily the best decision I've ever made. It's the only way I could have, I could grow and it will be the only way I can continue to keep growing is to hand off some of the things that, um, that, that I could get another person to take care of. And it's really allowed me to have more time on the creative work, which is, is what I'm good at. And I think what is like the most valuable part of my contribution. So so yeah, it was scary, but it's definitely like been the best move I've made in this business. And um, it's been a very good experience. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a hard decision because you've done it for so long by yourself, like you said, and then maybe a little stubborn. I feel like I would have a little bit of stubbornness of like, no, I could do it all myself. But yeah, once you can give off some of the work that you like doing less or just take up a little bit too much of your time and you can focus on what you're really good at it 
probably does really help the business just grow the exponentially more. Um, how did you even go about finding an employee? Is this something you like post online somewhere just through connections? I mean, um, this was through connections, which I just have to say is incredibly lucky. I was so nervous about really getting an employee. I wasn't ready to like make a job posting for it. Um, an interview. I mean, I also had like zero experience in that, uh, or managing, I've never managed people, you know? Um, and so I just kind of started by asking around, like I've become over the years friends with, um, a lot of the business owners in town. And I, I would just put the word out there. I just say, you know, Hey, if you just know of anyone super special and, you know, I might be looking for someone, send them my way. And finally, um, it was through a mutual friend um, who who recommended the person that's helping me out. Um, and she's just like, I mean, I'm just really lucky. She's just like ridiculously capable and and fun and just I couldn't I couldn't be luckier. She I just I just really hit the lotto. So um, with with the person I ended up getting. But yeah, if I had to hire again, I feel like now she, she's been with me a couple years, and so I feel like. Um, I am more confident in like what this, like what the job description is, what, um, like, like how to have an employee. So I would probably just post it now cause I, cause I have a better understanding. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So she's definitely helped me like be able to, um, have more time to think about the long-term business plan. Um, you know, I- I've, been taking on more freelance projects, like commercial uh, freelance projects, and that's something I'm really interested in, seeking out more work doing so that I'm doing more of a balance between, like, original work, like my paintings that I sell, and then I would also like to be hired by, like you had mentioned, like Hydroflask or um, other companies to do special projects, um, especially anything that I'm a little bit picky about the projects I I take because I really, it's really important to me that they're like kind of aligned with my values and sort of this art brand that I've been building. So, um, and, and artwork does take a a long time to make and manage. And so, uh, I always, it's really important to me to pick projects that I feel, um, really happy to be involved with and that I can like have a good relationship and partnership with the people I collaborate with. So that's been a really kind of uh, fun development in the last couple of years is like really making some fun professional relationships with with like small businesses or some uh, some bigger ones. That's been a, a lovely part of the job that I hadn't ever really considered. Um, but I, f- I found that working with with companies or small businesses really push my limits. Like I get to draw things and make things that, um, for someone and it feel it, I don't know. It it makes me feel really good to like be able to solve a problem for someone when they, they have like an assignment or a problem they need solved. It's like pretty, uh, fulfilling. That sounds like a really fun part of the job. It's all, I think, me per, for me personally, I always find my favorite part 
in anything I do is the connections that I make and the people that I get to meet. Um, So along those lines, who would be the dream person or I guess company or brand or whatnot to work with? I mean, it seems like you've worked with a lot of really awesome companies and people and brands, but what's your dream? Wow, that's a good question. That seems like something I should I should have just off the top of my head, but I don't know that I I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I mean, my favorite projects to work on. I, I've really like enjoyed any projects that have come about in the outdoor industry, um, especially. There's sort of like a niche. Um, I feel like, especially like here in Bender, probably I would imagine like any mountain town. Um, as we just were to, like discussing earlier, this is a very like athletic area, and so uh, parents get their kids involved in in skiing and hockey and running and all you know everything like at a really early age here, and um, I, I see a lot of the outdoor brands have these kids lines that um, I think my work would be like a really good fit for. And so that those are projects. I don't know if there's one specific company. Um, I I think whoever I learn with, I'd really want to learn about their methods, like their manufacturing, and I just want to make sure that their values like align with mine in that respect. And I would say a dream a dream would be to I think it'd be pretty cool to um, do a illustrate a kid's book that that was published by like a major publisher um I think that that is something in my heart of hearts that I would like to happen in my career that would be really cool and then to see it in the hands of a lot of kids and seeing them maybe same with you getting inspired by your art and um and turning it into a, a lifelong career and passion as well. And I honestly think your art would go so well in a children's book. It's so cartoony and just kind of along those lines. Um, what do you hope when someone looks at your art? What do you hope it represents? Or what kind of message do you hope they pull from it? Like along those lines. Yeah, I guess just when someone looks at your art, what do you want them to think or see from it? I, I definitely have like my, I have my intentions for the work and that's what I'll share. I, I, I have what I, I, I'll tell you the things that, yes, I hope, I would hope people take away. Um, but I, I really feel strongly too that once I'm done painting it, it is for other people to just take from it what they need to. That's what's so wonderful about being an artist. You have this, like, you have this. Uh, opportunity to give a gift and 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 once it's left your hands it's really up to the person that's looking at it to to assign value the value that they they want to or need to from it but when I'm creating the work as you know since you've seen a lot of it the subjects so so for anyone who hasn't seen it it's it's uh they they do look like kids book illustrations and a lot of the work is um, the subjects are like children and animals. They're usually set in these like really whimsical nature scenes, a lot of mountains and lakes and coastlines and rocks. And just um, they're, they're very outdoor centric, um, campy. And the kids and the animals to me, you know, um, the, the kids don't 
aren't necessarily meant to be totally literal. They're, they're symbols to me because I think that the artwork, while it definitely could cater to children, I think I, I make it more for adults because I, I guess I just want to remind people about sort of their child within, you know, and like what I'd like them to sort of reconnect with is that child within, like in all of us that, you know, has this like limitless sense of wonder. That's how kids are. They, they look up, they look in the world to the world every morning and discover new things and are like, like surprised and delighted by things. And I think as we get older and we've been in the world and we, we take, we take some things for granted. So I hope that my work allows us to reconnect with that limitless sense of wonder that kids have like resilience that yearning we have to explore uh, that I hope comes forth through the landscapes. But um, what I really like making is artwork that's approachable and that can be an entry point for viewers to be like an entry point into their own imaginations um, and to think about their own relationships to nature and to each other and to ourselves. So that's my hope. That's what I hope people see when they look at it. Um, but I think a lot of people see a lot of different things. And I'm fortunate because I I do try to get out into our community a lot and talk with people and um, be at events and things. And, and I get to hear a lot of things, you know, a lot of different ways that people connect with the work. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a really special relationship I get to have with um with people that have seen it. And what are some ways that you find inspiration in nature? I know you talked about your trail running and getting out and exercising outside is just some way, but in general, like where do you pull all the inspiration from your art from? Yeah, a lot of it definitely comes from just being out in it. And, you know, I do find that I have a harder time finding that inspiration when I don't get out. I mean, like if I go through periods of time where I haven't been able to go out running or I haven't been able to go out for a hike um, or go see new things, it's definitely, it, it kind of blocks me. I think that uh, I get, you know, we do a lot of outdoor stuff in the summer. We're always out camping. We're always out running. So yeah, I pull most of it. It's not always literal. Like um, I, d I won't necessarily like take a picture and make the exact same place. I do have some work that that are specific places, but it'll often be something simple like one mountain or one meadow or one tree, something that like is beautiful and striking in that moment. Actually, like I remember running last year. I just did this work, this um, painting with a blue heron in it. And I did that recently because last year I was on a run on the Deschutes River Trail and I was by myself. It was freezing. It was wintertime. It was snow on the ground. And it's just, I had this moment. I was like, I had been running a long time. I was like working hard. And I was just all alone. And this blue heron comes like flying over the Deschutes River and the back, like back in the background was just like all of this snow and this river. And it was so take your breath away moment, you know? And those are the nuggets that I just try to like hold on to because I, 
I got, I was so touched by it. And it doesn't necessarily come back in that exact form, but I try to like, like collect those like, like seashells, you know, and bring them back out and work later. Um, and I, and I hope to do it in a way that there will be like some even whisper of, of emotion that someone feels from looking at the artwork as I felt when I was experiencing it. Wow. That is so fun. So what are your, just kind of outside of the art, what are some of your favorite things to do outside and out in nature? I mean, seriously, Bend is awesome for outdoorsy stuff and getting into trail running and the mountains and everything. So I want to hear some of your favorite things to do outdoors in Bend. I mean, like I said, running's the big one and, and I'm, I like going long distances. So that's like the most time consuming thing. Cause I'll, I'll go run for three or four hours. Um, but I've gotten into cross country skiing and uh, we actually did like a great little cross country ski head to head trip last year. And I was sort of learning. So it was definitely the group I was with was, were all pretty ac- accomplished. So they didn't have any trouble, but I was pretty tired <laughs> and sore from it. But, um, we were able to, ski uh into a hut that we would sleep for night and then ski the next day and sleep in a hut and then come back um so that so cross-country skiing has been really fun in the winter um really running and hiking camping in the summer and then uh, i actually also this is like probably not in the same realm of things but i actually love to play basketball um i'm really really i like poor to mediocre at it but um it's like I have this like secret dream of like being in the WNBA (laughs) 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 it's a uh so yeah I like I like shooting hoops whenever I can um although again it's just it's just a silly hobby but oh and we have a ping pong table I mean we spend all all the time outside We, we just pretty much live out there until it gets too cold and even then we have enough sun here where you can at least like walk around if you have some yak tracks. That sounds perfect. Art and being out in nature. That's like the dream. Um, what does your partner do for work? Um, my partner, Matt, is an engineer. And we're lucky enough that when we moved here, um, he got a job with a consulting firm. So he's able to work from home. So it's kind of funny because we both work from home. And we both have like little offices, you know, that are like detached from the house. So it's kind of funny because like every morning we like get up, we usually like have coffee or breakfast together. We say goodbye. We like, he like walks around one corner. I walk around the other corner. <laughs> Sometimes we'll connect at lunch uh, and have lunch together. <laughs> um, so it's like we both leave for work, but we're both at the house. <laughs> but he works, um, he works, It's he, he's got an interesting job because he works for um, transit projects. So um, he uh, specifically rail projects, so streetcars and um, light rails, trains. Uh, so we always joke like he's a train engineer, but not like a train engineer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That sounds like a fun opportunity to both be at home. I just love that your studio was in like a old shed that's really creative and easy to make a mess and clean it up. So I, one of the last questions I want to ask is what does your like typical day look like? You talked about how being out in nature 
helps you gather inspiration and everything. So is that something you structure before art or like how do you structure your day so that you're the most productive? Because it seems like working, owning your own business and working from home and everything like that, it seems like it kind of never ends. You could always continue to do more and, and it's kind of always on your mind and, and never something you can just leave at home, which has its pluses and minuses. Obviously it's something that you're passionate about and you love, so it's worth it. But yeah, just what does your typical day look like if there is a typical day? Also such a good question because it's so important uh, to have some sort of routine and it took a long time for me to figure out what that was going to be. Um, you know, when I first started working from home and doing this, I had this like mindset that was kind of like, Oh, um, one of the perks of this should be that I can have like a really kind of flexible situation. But like you said, that is really hard when there it's a job that never ends. It's like, I am thinking about it all the time. And, um, I wasn't, good about the flexibility because I, my work ethic is really strong and I have like perfectionist tendencies that I'm trying to like rein in and sort of change because it's really not helpful to this line of work, I don't think. So instead of being like, this is a flexible schedule so I can like just go do what I want some days, I was kind of opposite of that and I was just working all the time. So I would, I wouldn't give myself boundaries. I would just like get up early, start working, not exercise and, and be sad and mad and then work into the night and not make room for friends or family. I mean, it was, it was like not great, but sometimes I look back at that time too. And I think, well, maybe, um, maybe that's what needed to happen to be happen because like when you start a business, like you have to really put in some work, you know, hard, hard work. Um, but it was getting to like a kind of level that was making me unhappy and not feel well. And I actually started listening to some really great like podcasts and books, um, on tape or audiobooks about like creative careers and how to manage the day to day. And it was, it was through those that I took some advice and restructured and it's been so wonderful so my day does have a structure in the morning. I usually um, I usually begin creative work in the morning. And I try not to do too much, like, I used to not even check my email. Now I'll check it. I just always kind of wonder if something came in that's important that I need to get to immediately. But for the most part, I don't check my phone. I don't check my email. And I come into the studio and work on the creative work until like lunchtime, one o'clock. And then after that is when I like to schedule meetings if I have to, or phone calls, um, or do emailing or admin work. Um, And that's just because I find that my brain is like the most fresh in the morning. I read something that I feel like is true for me, which is like, you really only have a certain amount of decisions you can make in a day. So if you kind of like make them all in the beginning of the day, like answering emails and stuff, it's going to be harder to make like really important decisions that are important to your creative projects. Um, but at the day's end. And so flipping those things, cause I think before I was like doing the 
emails and that kind of meetings and those that kind of work earlier in the day. Flipping that, um, really, I, I've been so much more productive. And then um, I do. I usually do a run at night or, or after work around five. And uh, uh, I'll do shorter runs on weekdays because of work. Um, every once in a while, I'll get out on a lunch run. But I'll usually run after work um, for like an hour or so. And then um, I'll do a long run on the weekends. And I've been really trying not to work on the weekends. I have to this time of year because it's like the holiday season. So I have a lot of like pop-ups and things like that. But but that's not like normal time. So I try to I try to keep my weekends for myself. Um, and I try not to overwork too much these days. Um, but I, I can tell you that Whenever I do work through my exercise time, it doesn't, it's not good for any part of me. It's not good for like the business part. It's not good for the creative part. It's not good for the relationships part. So I definitely, I value that as much as anything else because it contributes to everything else so much. I'm with you on the morning part. I function so much better early in the morning and then come afternoon, I'm like starting to slow down and creativity wanes and everything. But yeah, thank you for sharing. It's I love hearing about people's days, especially when you have a flexible job or work for yourself. I think it's so interesting to hear just how everyone makes it work and gets it done and creates kind of a balance, if you want to call it that, in in their day in life. Um, so yeah, thank you for all that you shared. It was really fun to hear more about your business and your path to getting where you are and hearing more behind the scenes of the awesome art that I see on my Instagram feed. So for the end of the podcast questions, what is the best or most recent book that you've read? The most recent book that I've read that I just loved was called Leave the World Behind by Rahman Alam. I won't say too much about it, but it's wonderful. It is a, uh, um, it's a novel, so it's fiction. And, and it, I was, I just devoured it. It was a great book. Awesome. And who or what is illuminating in your life right now? I think we talked about this a little earlier, but there's a podcast called The Creative Pep Talk um, with he, the host calls himself Andy J. Pizza. Um, his name is Andy J. Miller. Um, and he makes just these really incredible podcasts about creative career, the creative career path. So that is a huge one. And then I'm also like like a giant Brene Brown fan. Um, her work uh, she's a vulnerability researcher. Most people know her because she has like some really famous TED Talks, but um, she wrote wrote some books. Um, Daring Greatly is the first one I, I read that just totally changed my life. And um, she's, she's done another one too called Dare to Lead. And um, I've always had tr- trouble with her and uh, some of the work she's done and, and the things she writes about have, have really been um, valuable to me and I think they've like changed the way I, the way I uh, do things. So those are those are two people um, that really inspire me. Um, I will also mention musically. I can't get enough of Billie Eilish. I think she is like a genius, and Taylor Swift too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just started listening to Brene Brown's podcast. I read her book, Braving the Wilderness. And then just last week, I started listening to her podcast. I'm probably pretty late to the train on that. But yeah, she's really great. Um, what is an organization that you would like to illuminate? Um, I There's so many good ones. And I chose one that I know that like it's like a big one that like everyone knows. But I guess it's just because I started following their work more closely this year um, during all the protests and everything. But the organi- organization I'd like to illuminate is the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU. Um, they are just doing such an unbelievable work with um, civil liberties issues. They tackle everything from immigration to racial justice and reproductive rights and voting rights, disability rights, and uh, many, many other things. And I've really, um, I've started donating to them. And I've also, you know, if you want to really follow what they're doing, um, I've, I've actually been following them on Instagram. And it's so cool to keep up with them. They're just doing a lot of really good things for, for people in this country. Awesome. And then Megan, what is your one message to send to the world? Um, it's, I guess it's a kind of an easy one. It's just to love each other and love yourself. Um, I think it's really helps. Sometimes I think it's hard for people to love each other, especially love people you don't know. Um, but I think if we all start from a baseline of, of, of genuinely believing that everyone is trying their best with what they have, it makes, it makes everything a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier to love everyone. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Megan today. If you want to continue to follow along with all that Megan is doing with her art business and check out her amazing art that she talked about today, you can find her on Instagram at Megan Marie Myers Art or on her website at MeganMarieMyers.com. And if you're enjoying the Illuminate podcast in general or you loved this conversation, you can head over to that podcast app that you listen to the episode on and leave us a rating and review. We so appreciate hearing from you and it's the best way for us to continue to grow the show. And while you're at it, head over to Twitter and give us a follow at Illuminate underscore pod or on Instagram at the Illuminate podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us and giving the Illuminate podcast a listen. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and you have a great rest of your week. 